Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by two members of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters and the resident moose himself, Mo Nawara. Apologies for any sound issues on this episode. I am not in the confines of my semi-kind of office with a mixer and a professional microphone. I am on the road. I am in Mayaro, Trinidad, in the lovely Caribbean, giving you this recap episode where we went 3-2 and two against the spread in the Las Vegas Super Contest, bringing our record to 23-30-2, so 24 points thus far. We're actually recording this during halftime of Monday Night Football, which everybody had on their card. Donnie, Brett, and myself laid the two and a half with the Hawks. Mo took the two and a half with the Falcons. And as Mo, Mo predicted, the steam play. went Atlanta's way. Uh, and while I was setting up for this, I, I skipped out with seven seconds to go, uh, thinking that the Hawks were just going to line up and kick a field goal and uh, send the thing to halftime at 24 20. Uh, but that didn't happen. Donnie, can you explain to me? Can somebody explain to me what just happened on the football field in Seattle? I'm not really sure anyone with a brain. I consider myself somebody with a brain can can explain what happened. Uh, I mean, the, the Falcons, I believe the Falcons called timeout to ice the kicker. Um, yeah, they were kicking a 35-yard field goal. And then next thing you know, you see uh, Blair Walsh running out to the left upon the snap, Luke Wilson coming across uh, the line and getting a, a pitch from the from the snapper and trying to run an end around which i think he lost two yards on which is just really really baffling to me so when somebody you uh somebody missed the play call right well That's what when, i said well when you said wilson end around so this is blowing my mind entirely when you said wilson end around in the skype chat just now i thought it was russell wilson i didn't think it was luke wilson with two l's what in the world Oh, my God. Uh, and can you give me a little credit, first of all? Can you say Mo picked the sharp side? The side that moved three and a half fucking points? You, you definitely nice pick, guys. You, you definitely selected the side that was favored by the market, but we've been burned by the market several times, not only this season, but throughout our career as Gridiron Gamble or whatever other name we were under. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the second half. Centri- well, Falcons look miles better, so for sure. But CenturyLink, Hawks on Monday Night Football, a lot of weird stuff happens. We had the fail Mary. Yeah, like uh, not uh, professional players not <laughs> yeah. catching a fucking kickoff. A kickoff that dribbles at their feet. Well, we had the fail Mary. We had the phantom bat against Detroit, <clears throat> where it was that weird fumble into the end zone, and they batted it out of the end zone, and nothing got called, and they held. I was actually I was in Trinidad for the fail Mary, by the way. So we we had Lions in that game. We did have Lions in that contest, covered by miles. <laughs> that was back when we were good at this. <laughs> yeah, back when we weren't uh, like weeks below five hundred. But let's get to the Sunday slate. Let's start out with a loser. One of our two losers. I just want to take it on the chin right away. I want to talk Raiders Patriots. According to yeah, Mo, let's get this out of the way. We we picked up a fan uh, because of all of our Brady trashing on Twitter, and uh, they've subscribed to the podcast just so that they can listen to our co-host in this instance one destroy us on our Brady takes and and like this 
this gentleman. You too can subscribe to the podcast, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, wherever you consume audio content. Go ahead and do that. Uh, I'll give you a second to hit that subscribe button. Uh, Shout and now, out Chris, while you're uh, subscribing. Shout, shouts to Chris. And, and now I will give the floor to, to Donald, uh, to Mr. Peters, the squarest one. Uh, somehow he knew that the Raiders were still on by, that uh, Derek Carr actually didn't get on a plane to uh, Mexico City. He just was hanging out in Oakland while somebody with a Mission Impossible mask uh, was playing quarterback for the Raiders. Uh, great read, Donnie. Uh, next time, let us know if a team is not going to play on Sunday. Well, teams generally don't play against New England, so I don't know what you guys are looking at here. I mean, it seems like every single week, other teams just, you know, as we say, they find some way to blow their dicks off, and their dicks are scattered all over the football field. In this case, there was dicks all over Mexico City, everywhere, all over Estadio Azteca. I mean, it was, listen, you can't, a Jack Del Rio-led team that is a joke, and we thought was a joke coming into the season. All of us were down on the Raiders. We thought that the, the win total of 10 was super high. Mo, you were you bet against them. Uh, I believe your, your win total or your under came in uh, already with that loss there, so that's great for you. But I mean, Pushing you just, at worst. Yeah, pushing at worst. I mean, you can't, you can't back these types of teams that just, they have no consistency. I don't know if you want to call it lack of professionalism. <clears throat> Whatever it is, they just... It, it's night and day between New England and teams like the Oakland Raiders, and this is the stuff you see, and I cannot believe that you guys honestly took the Raiders in this spot. I mean, this was, to me, this was going to be a high-scoring game. I didn't think that the Raiders were going to put up eight points, but I thought this was going to be a 38-20, to 20, where the Raiders try and score, and they just can't, because at the end of the day, Bill Belichick will get a stop or two that he needs where his offense will won't need to get or won't be able to be stopped at all. I mean, that's just that seems like that he goes like this in in all these games. So, yeah, I just don't understand what happened there. the The Patriots secondary is objectively bad. I mean, you're not going to object to that statement, DP. And outside of that Washington performance, where the offensive line for Oakland just didn't show up, Derek Carr's yards per attempt is. 8, 8, 8, 5.7, 8, 6.3, 10 against Miami. And then against a horrifyingly bad secondary, he goes for 4.8 yards per attempt. I, I don't understand that, that aspect of it. I don't understand how the Raiders didn't get to 20 points in this game. I understand the Pats scoring. I don't think Oakland's defense is anything to write home about. I don't understand how Oakland didn't put the ball in the end zone more often. Yeah, I never claimed Pats weren't going to score 30 points. That was well within my capping. But uh, I said Gronk was going to go out and drink all the tequila shots. I guess it was just Oakland's whole team. How much tequila, guys? Literally all of it. I mean, these teams just, like I said, they just blow their dicks off. That's what they do. That's every single time they play the Patriots. They just do dumb stuff. In this case, it was the wide receivers just totally not catching the ball. And then when they catch the ball, they're doing fucking cartwheels out there with the ball hanging, you know, 17 feet away from their body and getting fumbles on the five-yard line. I mean, it's just just stupid stuff that you see from these teams all the time. I don't know if they just—they feel like they got to do crazy stuff to beat the Patriots, so they act a bit out of character, but— 
you never really see it. The teams that you see beat New England, like, you know, you saw the Giants do it many years ago in those two Super Bowls. You saw the, the Seahawks always competed and played very well against the, the Patriots. They would just come in. They would play their game. They would try and hit New England in the mouth, and that's how they would go on to win. You would always see it with the Baltimore Ravens when they had their thing with the Patriots, when they were, you know, doing very well in the AFC. But you never see these teams. They come in. They try and get cute, or, you know, they try and just do different things and switch it up. And that's what I felt like the Raiders were doing. You know, they started off running. They were running really well. They were getting like seven yards of carry with Marshawn Lentz, and all of a sudden they started throwing. And then it just, just everything just falls apart because they don't know what they're doing. We'll get then, to. But then some of these teams, it's like, how am I supposed to predict? Like I was saying in the thread, like I understand that the Patriots are going to be better prepared. And, and I'm well aware of that because, of course, they have the best coach in football history. But uh, how am I supposed to cap that somebody blocks the wrong guy on a punt and they just get a free touchdown? Like, I don't know. Off a blocked punt like in that Denver game, you know? It's like, that's not even preparation, is it? That's just idiot. <laughs> well, uh, we'll talk about looking ahead to the Week 12 lines in a bit. But uh, New England, minus 17 at home against the Dolphins. Uh I'm not surprised one bit by that. I actually, you guys might laugh. I wrote minus 19 down because who's betting Miami short of 20 points? I don't know of a single soul. Patriots are minus 17. I haven't even looked at this week's yet. Minus 17 against the Miami that Dolphins. Seems, that seems more than fair. Who? What would you say last week? You said the Dolphins are the worst team. They, they are, are the, the worst. worst team in DVOA, again, in a league that – contains the Browns and the Niners. You got to be bad to be ranked 32nd. Let's get to a win, uh, and it has to be the biggest slam dunk win that we've had since entering the Super Contest three years ago. Uh, if, If you had any, if you place any real American dollars on professional football and you did not bet the Chiefs or the uh, Giants as double-digit home dogs this weekend. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I think you're doing it wrong. I think you need to look in the mirror and reevaluate everything that you think when it comes to sports betting because I've never seen more free money than was available in this contest. Mo, you're the resident Chefs fan. You two were on this huge. Uh, Andy Reid off the bye, didn't matter. Giants win outright. What's going on with Kansas City here, Mo? Yeah, this was a slam dunk. It's A lot of it is Andy Reid, man. Me and my friends have been getting pissed. What? Reid, you don't w- watch the tape of the first six weeks, man. When Reid took the chains off, took the leashes off, and just let Alex Smith throw deep, call plays, throw deep to uh, Tyreek, uh hit Kareem Hunt up the seam Chiefs were just wrecking people now it's back to dink and dunk four yard outs run the ball guys we got to stretch the field to open up the run again like go back to old just look at Belichick we don't need to establish the run establish the pass and then we can run with Kareem once teams back out of the box and also the Chiefs O-line has not been the healthiest, and they're just not run blocking near as well as they were earlier in the season. And it's just such a symbiotic thing for the Chiefs. You know, you need everything to be clicking. And and it, for sure the weather played some part in it, but not everything. The Chiefs fizzled out 
on the Giants 10, like, three times. And, yeah, I mean, if the Chiefs would have just punched in once, it was an easy W, but, you know, never covering. I, I said that in the pod. I said I did not think this would ever even get outside the number, and it didn't even come close. Weird game. Two players that are not quarterbacks throw interceptions in this game, both Shane Vereen and Travis Kelsey. Uh, neither quarterback you see, can. You see Kelsey's arm. That was a Dude's that got was an arm, but especially given the wind earlier. conditions. Yeah, if he <laughs> threw it on time, it was a touchdown. Neither quarterback could break six yards per attempt. This was super ugly. Uh, I don't think there's a single human on earth that could be more disappointed in this in this result than Donnie. Though Donnie King, tanking King. Everybody has to buy in to the process of tanking. And here we are, the Giants, after getting a massive loss in San Francisco, giving them the number two overall pick in the draft. They go out and they beat Kansas City. DP, I'm telling you, these guys, it's not in their moral fiber to tank. They just can't do it. Maybe they were trying to tank. They only scored 12 points. I mean, (laughs) all the the fucking Chiefs had to do was get in the end zone, and they can't do that because, for whatever reason, Andy Reid just just can't just line up, let Alex Smith drop back five steps and throw it over the middle of Travis Kelsey 18 times a game against the Giants, who are the worst team in the universe at guarding tight ends. I mean, Travis Kelsey did catch eight balls for, I think, 107 or 108 yards, um, but he didn't get in the end zone. That's the first time that a tight end didn't get in the end zone. And an elite tight end like Travis Kelsey, he should have gotten in the end zone twice. Very weird contest in the Meadowlands, indeed. I still have faith in the Chiefs being a pest, but, I mean, the more I think about it, the more the Patriots just have another cakewalk to the Super Bowl, and then we'll probably see some NFC team blow their own dicks off again uh, in Minnesota, which is... Well, to be be fair, the the Chiefs also got completely screwed by the refs. I mean, uh, blocked somebody in the chest... For 15 yards, guys. If it looks violent, it's 15 yards. It just doesn't even matter. I mean, granted, he did look like a WWE superstar with that flying elbow. I don't know what that block was. This league is just so bad. (laughs) Apparently, it's that blocker's fault that that dude wasn't looking where he was going. There's a game that we have to go to now. I'm going to go to another win. I'm going to keep it positive again. It occurred in Houston, Texas. On the DFS pod, I'm kind of pissed that Brett's not here. On the DFS pod, Donnie tried to tout Gabbert, a Gabbert fit stack. I was right behind him. I touted a naked Gabbert, and Daddy Colson, he really scolded us. He, I could tell he was pointing his finger at his laptop. He was wagging it at us. Can't play Gabbert. Gabbert's a joke. Bad O-line. And while we were on the Texans as a pick and they did cover, Gabbert not only met value, but he, he blew through it. It was a great performance by Blaine. He actually looked like he had a pulse. But at the end of the game, he did turn into a pumpkin with a poor interception. Uh, but the Texans, they, they really showed out. I don't think Savage played particularly well. But the defense, uh, kind of like a delayed rule of Mo with all these injuries. I feel like they, they really played inspired. Uh, we saw Kareem Jackson and, and Jonathan Joseph really step their game up and, and play well. Uh, great performance by Bruce Ellington. Another kind of rule of Mo with Will Fuller sideline. Bruce Ellington stepped in and really uh, did the damn thing and played well. Uh, Deontay Foreman scored a huge touchdown for us, blowing out his Achilles on the play. 
I mean, cancel football, but a, a great run by the kid. Hopefully, he gets well soon and is is good to go in the uh, in the uh, 2018 season. But uh, this line closed closer to a field goal. We we got it on the card and we got a pretty easy W out of it. Uh, DP, what did you take from this game? You, you had Gabbert, uh, so you were watching this doubly uh, as uh, uh, doubly as much as as some other members of the collective. Uh, what did you take from this game? I am left thinking, who the hell is Seals Jones? Or what's that guy's name that was catching all the passes for Arizona? Who the heck is that guy? Yeah, what is a Seals Jones? Four-star. 6.0 four-star, whatever that. I still don't understand the pre-star grading merits. Yeah, this is the that's the highest tier of four-star. So he was was probably like a top uh, 75 or so overall high school player. Played receiver in college. The... The broadcast was on here, ironically enough. So we're we're in Trinidad, and they have this thing called Flow Sports, and Flow Sports has the contract for the NFL, and they show basically the game du jour. Like during the primetime games, they'll show them obviously, but during the the one o'clock slate, they'll just show one random game. And for some reason, the game we got was was fucking Texans Cardinals. So thank God for the Reddit streams. But uh, Rondé Barber was on the call. And he was talking about how Seals Jones during the draft process, the biggest ding on him was that he couldn't catch. I was like, well, what receiver? Like, how can that? How can you even be a professional player if you're a receiver and you can't catch? But Goat Seals Jones just steps into the league and, and scores two touchdowns. So somebody's still paying Darius Hayward Bay, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was refreshing My though God. to see to see Gabbard. I mean, he looked he looked decent out there. He wasn't that stiff that you see with Carson Palmer standing back there with the Statue of Liberty, just not moving at all. Well, athleticism's never been the question with that guy. He's always been a great athlete. <laughs> Coming out of high school, he was a dual threat. But uh, yeah, his his accuracy and decision making in the pros has been atrocious. And the Cardinals cut Andre Ellington today. They're they just seem like as much as. I, I still have some faith in B.A. Something's just going on that's weird there. They just need to honestly hit the reset button and start all over again. I think that even includes Palmer. I don't I don't know how Palmer can be under center for them next maybe, year. Maybe Arians is uh, – maybe he's the, the QB whisperer and got Gabbert playing decent. So yeah, I, I definitely <clears throat> don't rule that out. I, I, I think B.A. is very talented, especially in offensive scheming. Like he – he implemented a lot of things in Arizona, made them very aggressive. Uh, but without an offensive line and without a stable quarterback, you really you just can't execute. So a, a weird lost season for Arizona, uh, and and Houston uh, with with a nice bounce back win. But H- Houston's still a bottom ten team, a very bad defense, a very mediocre at its pinnacle offense. So. This is one of those spots where I like when two bad teams play each other and, and one of them comes out looking really good because I think it's a good spot in the future to then fade that bad team again that for a moment looked good, but only because they played uh, an equally poor opponent and uh, got away with the win. So in other words, basically what we did uh, to the cards after they beat the Colts. Yeah, precisely. You uh, You just hop on the bad team that masqueraded as a good team for one week, only because their competition was so low. Uh, let's go to the other loss that we had 
on the card, and it was a veto situation. And again, Brett's not here to defend it. I understand now why he's hiding from the podcast. Uh, he took off the Raiders initially and put on the Packers, which was a loss for a loss, so no harm done to Brett. Uh, Mo then put the Raiders back on instead of the Oops. Bengals, who covered. Good job, Mo. So Donnie has a free veto against Mo. And a lot no, of pizzas. No strings attached and all the pizzas. Donnie's pizza party, while not in effect in the DFS realm, is certainly uh, full steam ahead IRL, as the kids would say. Uh, but we had the Packers on, and man, Brett Hundley, he, he's just not a professional quarterback. He takes his eyes down at pressure. He's constantly getting sacked, not getting rid of the ball. The Packers are in heaps of trouble. And the Ravens, who by default are going to be an AFC playoff team, they continue to play great on defense, and they're really pesky on that side of the ball. But the offense, man, is is just as as bad as ever. And uh, we'll get to the next section in a second uh, when it comes to the spread. Um, But, man, nothing impressive from Baltimore's offense save for that Mike Wallace catch and a bad defensive performance from Hundley. Uh, Mo, you were you, you were not as heavy on him, Hundley as Brett. I feel like you uh, you hit the eject button a little faster, but uh, I'm, I'm not the only one. This kid is just not – he's not primed to play pro football. Yeah, I don't know. I was a little worried. I was – I think I was the lowest on this game. I – was just scared of Hunley versus this defense. This defense is outstanding. They're really, really good, and they're getting healthier now. Getting Jimmy Smith back, getting uh, what Brandon Williams that they're they're DT in, in the middle that they need. Yep, Brandon Williams. Um, they got them back. They're back to being elite. This defense is just so good. But man, this this offense is so so putrid. They got outgained by the Packers. This game is crazy because like, it looks crazy. You look at the score, 23 nil. you're like, okay, Ravens right side by a mile. But if if the Packers would have just, like, kneeled and then kicked field goals when they got to uh, Baltimore's 30, they might have won this game. But they kept turning it over. They kept driving to the 30 and then either fizzling out and, like, punting from the 40 or, or turning it over. So it was a really, really weird game. Uh, Hunley, just, man... I, I mean, I know it's the Ravens, but, man, you're at home. And I don't know. A lot of it's probably McCarthy, too. you just got to realize the situation. And, I, I mean, we knocked him for not letting Hunley be aggressive. But, like, right there when your defense is completely throttling Baltimore, that's when you should be conservative. Without Ty Montgomery, without Aaron Jones, it's just a – it's just really a t- – <laughs> it's a tough ask for, yeah, for Green Bay and, and their offense. Yeah, really bad. Yeah, he's just he's he's not really a pro talent either. It really, I I don't know what more. And it's it's funny too because we we've been banging the drum against McCarthy on here forever, forever and ever and ever and ever, holding back Aaron Rodgers, holding back the potential of what this team could be if they had a more aggressive coach, if they had a coach that was willing to play more of a math ball style and and take chances and, and push those small edges but I don't know if we can fully put the blame on McCarthy because the talent is just not there 
for this Packers squad. And it's funny, I, I, I talked about uh, the Ravens and the Texans both being bet off teams potentially given their performances on Sunday. And, of course, they play against each other <laughs> next week. But I still think it might be a great bet-off opportunity for the Ravens. They're seven-and-a-half-point favorites at home on Monday Night Football. I know that defense is tough, but that seems like a lot of points for that Baltimore offense. Uh, DP, anything to add on this contest? You were the lone wolf on the other side. You were not very confident. You had it towards the bottom, but you did take the Ravens minus two. Anything to add on this game in Lambeau? Yeah, just that, you know, going into it, it was just a case of this is a good defense against a quarterback that, you know, as soon as the ball is snapped, it looks like he's looking for an exit. He just looks, you know, deer in headlights and then instantly starts sprinting away trying to find the woods. Um, And then on the other side of the ball, I just, I don't understand why the Ravens don't stop trying to run the ball altogether and just like put Joe Flacco back there in shotgun and let him throw or just let him try, you know, kind of take a page out of what the Patriots did not so much this year but in in more recent years where they would throw the ball 50 or 60 times I mean Flacco's not great but he's not horrible I mean he can at least get back there and just chuck it and if he's in shotgun he does he needs less time to move around but their running game is just non-existent and they ran the ball like 25 times and they were averaging like two yards a carry it just seems pointless to even keep trying that but some of these teams you know that old thing where they got they believe in balance they need balance so I think that that's something that, you know, they are able to beat a team like a Green Bay who can't do anything, and they can just beat them purely on defense. But when they run into some of the better teams, you know, come playoff time in the AFC, um, you know, that might come bite them in the ass. And it might even come bite them in the ass this week when they're trying to cover 7.5 against the Texans. It's so funny that the Ravens are certainly one of those teams, Marty Morningweg at the helm on offense, that they have a scheme, and regardless of the pieces that they have, they're going to fit them into that scheme. And one of the things that the Ravens like to do, as you pointed out, not only just running the ball, but throwing to their tight ends and backs is just like an integral part of the Marty Morningwake offense and an integral part of what Baltimore has done for the past couple of years. But with uh, you got guys coming off of injury with Woodhead, uh, Buck Allen, who's just been okay, uh, ben Watson is your best tight end. You can never keep a tight end healthy. It's like let's let's try to let's stop trying to fit these square pegs in around holes, and let's let Macklin try to make some plays. You know, let's let's get Mike Wallace downfield. Mike Wallace flashing off a really nice catch there uh, against Green Bay. Let's let's give these guys some opportunities. But you're right, they just they refuse to let Flacco kind of let it rip a little bit. They they want to constrain him to this backs and tight ends offense and uh maybe they just need to open it up a little bit and 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 try to get the ball downfield all right let's get to our third win for the day this was a fun one uh even though the score might not have indicated it it was it was a fun battle back and forth it it felt like a heavyweight fight especially with that slow seven to seven start you got some sparring going on you got some some small body blows and then the Vikings came out and they started landing haymakers against the LA Rams. Adam Thielen with a great catch and run for a long touchdown in that game. And the Vikings under Mike Simmer, they improve their at-home record against the spread as favorites. Uh, They are pretty much a lock to win that NFC North. They're now battling the Saints and the Eagles uh, for a potential first round bye. But man, the Vikings, they just keep rolling. Uh, And this was one of five consensus picks. We talked about two of them already, the Texans and the Giants. 
Guys, we went 5-0 and in consensus picks, so a nice bounce back for the collective. But the Vikings, man. Donnie, you had them higher than anybody. You had them right outside your card. Talk about this performance. You had a guy with a horn at the bar you were at. Talk about this game. I did, yeah. I mean, listen, this is just Vikings defense at home against an offense that has been rolling. The Rams have been looking great this year, but something just kind of always told me that, you know, the Rams are performing a little bit higher than expectation, and at some point they're going to have to come down back down to earth. You know, it's not that they might not be a good team, you know, because I think that throughout the course of the season we've clearly seen that the Rams are a legit team. Um, but at some point they did have to run into a team that is better on one side of the ball than, than they are on offense, and that's the Vikings defense who at home just, you know, under Mike Zimmer just t- t- can shut people down. And I think that Sean McVay had a little bit of a medicine thrown his way where he didn't really know what to do early on. I mean, for, for me watching that game, it seemed more like, okay, the Vikings defense has this under control. I think that that was pretty evident. Um, you know, through the first quarter as early as that. And then it was just like, okay, as long as the Vikings offense can just get it going and figure it out, put some drives together, I think that this one's pretty much in the bag. Oh, if I had to ask you to rank the top four <clears throat> NFC teams, and I'm assuming that I don't have to list them, Eagles, Saints, Vikings, Rams, unless you want to throw in somebody else, uh, how would you rank them right now on November 20th, 2017, Mo? Eagles 1A, Saints 1B. Hmm, Vikes and Rams. Man, it's a tough one. I think home field, I think I said this on the podcast Friday. I honestly think whoever's home in a Vikes-Rams matchup, I'm just taking the home side. Because yeah, they're, so, they're so close. I think the Vikings have, is it weird to say this, more dynamic players on offense Case Keenum's fun. He's yeah, fun and then to... like, Thielen is really good. I Diggs I, really really good. Love them I, both. Two great I, I players. Put, I put in the Skype chat: Is Thielen the second best receiver in the league now that OBJ's out? And I'm I was only half joking when I made that statement. He's better than Diggs. Yeah, I mean, I guess I like the Vikings. <laughs> I don't know. I always thought Diggs was still better, but man, it's getting harder and harder to say that. I would want to know, and I haven't looked at this, so forgive me, but who, how other teams are approaching covering those two guys? Like if the number one cornerback is taking Diggs and the number two guy who's theoretically a lesser skilled defensive back is taking Thielen, and if that's the case, or if people, if teams do think, yeah, you know, Thielen's the guy now, we need to cover him with our number one guy. I would just like to know that just to be able to kind of wait how well they're performing not that Thielen isn't good because I think that the guy is amazing but just to kind of understand where this is coming from in the fact that these last couple weeks it's been really all Thielen showing out and not that much Diggs and I still think Diggs is a really good really highly talented player yeah that's a great point I feel like Diggs hasn't been the same since he he sprained that ankle really so there's that um I think the Vikings have more talent you know uh but the Rams maybe have a sharper coaching staff. I don't know, though. Mike Zimmer's just so good. But it feels like McVay came in and uh, had a plate of chicken shit and just yeah. immediately whipped it into chicken salad. I yeah. mean, but uh, I have to say, um, is it is there any team we have a better record on than the Vikes? We must have – that must be our number one team. We print – we literally yeah. print with the Vikings. If we have the Vikes, just tail us. I mean, our record with the Vikes has to be the best. I mean, Zimmer is Zimmer's seventy percent against the spread. 
Nobody wants to respect this Vikings team. We're three and one this Why, year though? with the Vikings. I don't. I had, I had a discussion with my friend who I think has a clue early in the year, and he tried to tell me after I told him the Vikes were a dark horse Super Bowl contender. He tried to tell me no chance. No why do chance. People, why do people just not think that this team is good? <laughs> They're They've really good. good. I don't know, and it's like the. It's not like they're not they're missing out on the big performance in the big spot. I mean, we've seen them throttle Rodgers before. We we saw them step up on this stage right here where they were the NFC game and they throttled the most efficient offense in football. So it's not like they've had a lack of big moments. All, all these guys do is win and cover. I don't get it. I don't get it either. I I guess I will just have to keep taking the Vikes when they're undervalued, but uh yeah, I mean, better for us if people don't wise up. This is a good team, guys. It's a very good team indeed. And a great uh, Bill Barnwell looked at uh, transactions that didn't happen, uh, basically like what-ifs kind of deal uh, today on ESPN. And one of the things was that Alshon Jeffrey was handed an offer sheet for a multi-year deal to play for the Minnesota Vikings and uh, deferred to the one-year uh, more money per year deal from the Eagles. So instead of taking less money uh, over multiple years, Alshon decided to wager on himself, uh, take the one-year deal in Philly, which obviously helped bolster their offense, and at the same time let Adam Thielen step into his big role with Minnesota. So just one of those things where uh, a small decision like that had, had massive impacts for, for more than one team, and in this case a positive one. So so pretty cool uh, that Barnwell went and uh, dug that all up. So Three and two uh, this last weekend, and a couple of field goals in this Falcons-Seahawks game, an eight-point game, so we will see what the picking order is uh, for this week. I'm assuming uh, that Atlanta will find the cover and Mo will lead us into the fury for the Thanksgiving week. Programming note uh, for the podcast, we're going to do a mega show this week with DFS and the Super Contest. I do not know when, though. I think Wednesday night, maybe, but uh, just look out on Twitter at Gridiron Gamble, uh, and we'll give you more information on that. One thing we will be doing as we turn and look to the Week 12 lines here is we'll be holding a special contest for the three Thanksgiving games. If you've been participating in our raffle, you know that each week you can send in one pick against the Super Contest line, and if you get it right, you will earn a raffle ticket at the end of the season we'll pull out a couple of names and we'll send you some really cool swag well this week we're having a little bonus contest for the thanksgiving game where we want you guys to pick all three games all three games on thanksgiving using the super contest lines if you only get one game right we're going to give you one ticket if you get two games right we'll give you three tickets and if you sweep the entire slate we will give you five tickets so get in there Give us all three of the games against the Super Contest lines and try to get your tickets ready. Let's take a quick look now at the Week 12 lines. No bread this week because of the holiday week, unfortunately. And there are a couple of interesting lines. I feel like I'm seeing the ball. I 10 and 3 uh, I was this week overall, and I just I I feel like things are starting to come around. I feel like I can get a grasp of the league. And what's happening? And there's a couple of lines that that really intrigue me. Uh, DP, I'll let you lead things off. Uh, were there any lines that you saw that uh, really stood out to you for Week 12? So 
Uh, two lines really stood out for me. One, just because I have a general question on what everyone thinks about this line, because I honestly have really no idea, at least right now, what to make of it. Um, and the other one I absolutely love. One team is a home underdog, and that is the Indianapolis Colts playing the Tennessee Titans. I do not think that much of the Titans this year. Um, I was pretty high on them coming into the year. I thought they were going to turn it around and, and get their crap together, but I don't think that they have. And the Colts, the Colts at home have been... A pretty good team. Jacoby Brissett looks like an NFL QB, uh, despite being the third stringer in in New England before he was traded over to Indianapolis. And you know, just at home, getting three and a half points, this seems like a really, really good spot for the Indianapolis Colts. As long as Jack Doyle doesn't unathletically fumble the ball multiple times in this game, it does seem like a good spot for the home dog. One of the two games this week where the uh, the two teams are both coming off a bye. The Jets host the Panthers. Both teams had a Week 11 bye. And in this game, the Colts host the Titans. Both teams had a Week 11 bye. So no, no extra rest trends can really be put to use this week. And yeah, Titans defense, I, I I've been banging the drum all season. Not very good. Uh, and the Colts have been frisky on the offensive side of the ball. Brisket's been fun. T.Y. Hilton has a nice connection with him. And Marlon Mack, that kid has really shown out uh, in his rookie year. They need to shift the carry load as much as possible from Gore to Mack. So that's certainly going to be a game that uh, is going to draw the ire of most, if not all, of the collective. Hopefully we can get that hook. It is currently minus 115 on Pinnacle. Mo, have you had a chance to take a look at any of the lines here? Anything stick out to you for Week 12? I'm looking right now. Uh, am I allowed to pick the Broncos again, or am I just banned from that? Banned. <laughs> Cannot they do don't it. Have, they, it's official. They don't have a modicum of professional pride. We put that to they them two weeks yeah. straight. They don't have it. I asked if they had professional pride. They answered me, guys. Um. Why Why are the Chiefs minus 10? Is Peterman starting again? If Tyrod's starting, this line's ridiculous. Yeah, that that line's puzzling to me. I, it, it makes sense why they would hang it that high. I mean, public perception could not be any lower for the Bills. But it's two completely different teams. I, I totally agree. Uh, but I still think that even if Jim Kelly suited up on Sunday, that public perception would still be bad on Buffalo because of how poorly they approached that situation and then how much they were dominated. Yeah, they're clowns. They're clowns. But don't you have to start Tyrod so the players don't revolt? I mean, they don't want to lose. I know the organization might be trying to tank. We have thought they were trying to tank from square one this year, but the players don't want to lose. Aren't they just going to quit? Donnie's rule of hashtag quitting? Yeah, you would think that there'd be an all-out mutiny, right? Like, what do the veterans think of of this these reindeer games that McDermott is playing. They they can't yeah. they can't have it at all. Yeah, they're trying to make money. They're trying to make their next contract. If they're sitting here getting their shit pushed in on a five and eleven team, they're gonna be harder it's gonna be harder for them to get good deals. I wanna talk about a game that is going to perhaps make both of you vomit a little bit. One because Mo does not like laying a lot of points, generally. And the other, because Donnie thinks the head coach of this organization has peanuts for brains. But isn't this rule of Mo? Like, why isn't, why aren't the Bengals minus 13 against the Browns? 
Yeah, that line looked a little short to me. I was going to ask you who ruins the uh, extremely obvious Bengals Redskins teaser this week. Well, l- l- let's make it a. Uh, is is there any? Is there a good candidate for a three teamer taking it down to nine? Uh, I guess it would be the the chefs. Like who? Saints. Oh yeah, Saints. Saints at that uh, that minus for- uh, two, uh, the plus two and a half tees that up yeah. to to eleven and a half. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do the, could Donnie, you've got the pulse on peanuts for brains. Can the Bengals blow their dicks in this spot and play poorly against Cleveland? Do you, is of is that a they thing? Can. Come on, <laughs> it's the fucking Bengals. It's the actually. It's, sorry, it's the Bungles. I mean, that team. Listen, they should totally blow the doors off the Browns. The Browns are so bad. I mean, they're just so bad. And the only thing that's going for the Browns this year is this is one of their, um, this is our Super Bowl type of games where they get to play a division rival, the Bengals, who they hate, um, and, and just hopefully, you know, put a little bit more of, of, of damper on their season, you know, speaking to the Bengals. But the Bengals could totally screw this up. I could totally see Andy Dalton just throwing three picks or, you know, dropping back and throwing one pick and maybe having one or two sack fumbles. Like, just stupid stuff that the Bengals are known to do when, you know, the season becomes more and more important as it goes on, you know, getting into November now or you're really in the heart of November and then down to in December, you know, when the season closes out and they you really got to make that push for the playoff, this is when the Bengals just really seem to just crap themselves. And I could totally see it happening. Now, this is a spot where, like last week, where I looked at the Saints and I said, you know, if the Saints are legit, they need to beat the Redskins by 10 or 12 points. They need to just hand it to them, cover the 7.5-point spread, and just totally show everyone, you know what, yes, we are legit. Not just go in there and win a game like they did last week, and I think that the Saints took a step back. But speaking to the Bengals, I mean, if everyone talks about the Bengals like they're going to you know, make that push to get to the next level, they need to just absolutely destroy a team like the Browns, who is in total shambles. There's another game you were interested in, DP. What was that one? It's the it's the Saints Rams game. I'm just I I Rich. I think maybe I'm drinking your your Kool Aid, but I want to believe that the Saints should destroy the Rams here. Oh no 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 road game. The Rams are very good. This is this is the perfect line of hey the Rams got throttled last week, so public's going to be off them. The Saints, while they didn't cover, they come back in dramatic fashion. They're uh, if it's not the Eagles, just like most stated, one A one B. The Saints are the class of the NFC, so we need to take a half point from the Rams. But this this is going to be another closely contested game between two good teams, and I'm probably going to favor the home team here. I like giving less than than a field goal with LA in the spot. I feel like they want you to take that that minus two and a half, man. That's why they. Well, I feel it. like I feel like it's the exact same thing as the Vikings last week. I think it's going to be something where. They want you to take it because they need you to take it because they need to leverage off of some of the Saints money. And as I look at the spread right now, 60% of all bets are on New Orleans. So despite them hanging a line that, to your point, looks so obvious and looks so encouraging to take, they're kind of doing that in an effort to balance the books a little bit and get some money on the Rams. That's at least my read on the situation. Spider-Man meme, right? Yeah, it's two, two teams pointing at each other that are the exact same. For I think so. Sure. Uh, the most public team this week, and we'll, we'll get out of here on this one, we go back to two teams coming off a bye. It's that Jets-Panthers game, and an astounding 85% of the public is on Carolina as four-point 
road favorites here. The Jets have kind of been a public darling uh, after an embarrassing three and a half win total. The public kind of got on board and was betting them kind of frequently uh, during the early parts of the season, but they've done a complete about face following that horrific Bucks performance. Uh, but this just screams a loom. The, if, if a loom's been on vacation, I think they're coming back for Thanksgiving and they're putting it all on gangrene. I think that's going to happen. Your boy Scam, Mo. I don't think Scam is going to escape the Meadowlands with a cover here. Yeah, if Illum is still a thing, they better show up for this one because, uh, yeah, it's the Jets and nobody is, yeah, everyone's going to be clicking uh, Panthers here, especially, I mean, what was the last bad Panthers performance? Haven't they just been rolling? I can't put my finger on it. The the one that sticks out the most is obviously that home game against the Saints, which was one of the worst offensive performances that you've ever laid eyes on. Uh, the Bears, that's what it was. Uh, didn't they go to Chicago and oh. and completely wet themselves? Oh, God, that Bears game. Yeah. yeah. Two- Lost uh, 17-3 to or something? Yes. Or 17-0 yes. and, like, Seven. allowed, like, that was the game where the Bears passed six times, seven times. What was it? Yeah, seven attempts. Same guy had two uh, long defensive touchdowns. Total aberration. But yeah, they've been. Carolina's been rolling since. DP, I feel like you're hot and cold with scam. What do you What do you think about this? It's a massive public line for uh, for Carolina. All in on the Jets. What, I mean, let's go. On the Jets. Love it. Money bet line, baby. Money bet line on Gang Green. I need to get a money bet line sounder. Uh, but would be no use to me down here with no mixer. So that's the show. That's the recap pod. Three and two. It's funny. I feel like we're, we're going to start to hit a stride here as the season ends. We're, we're going to start to understand the 2017 NFL season, and it's going to be gone. But no, but no, then... no. It's not gone because there is the mini contest. Oh, the last that's right. three weeks of the season with a $15,000 prize up for grabs. So bring your fucking shit weeks 15, 16, and 17, boys. Let's go. Could well, be the can, season we, saver. We could buy like a, a Bitcoin and a half by the time uh, those weeks come. We can fire a lot of money bet lines. A lot of money bet lines. So that is uh, the Week 11 recap show. Be on the lookout at Gridiron Gamble. We will tell you when we post the week 12 thanksgiving bonanza and you can get a jump start uh the super contest line should come out wednesday so so check those out and then send us again all three thanksgiving games using the super contest lines get your tickets in boys and girls uh for donnie for mo if you guys don't listen to us uh, until after the holidays be safe be merry drink but again be safe stay off the roads Uh, Until the next time you hear our lovely voices, peace out.